Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hey, you know that film you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did? Well, I call those black hole films, and this podcast is all about checking those films off our list and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter, at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate and review it, leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening to it. It really does make a difference to helping more ears tuning in. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 80, and I'm joined by returning guest Norm Wilner, who is the head film critic for Now Magazine, as well as having his own awesome podcast, Someone Else's Movie. You can check that out wherever podcasts can be listened to. As well as joining for the first time on the podcast, Mrs. Marilla Wex, who you probably know from shows like The Beaverton. She's also been on Working Moms. And a voiceover artist in probably half the commercials you've heard. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. All right, so we're sitting down to watch Cure. I'm Jeremy. I have not seen the film. Uh, Norm, I, I saw it 20 years ago, and then maybe seven or eight again. I'm Marilla. I have not seen this film, and I'm scared. And the fact that you just said, here's like, I know nothing about this movie. No. So the fact that you said it was 20 years old now blows my mind, because I thought for some reason 21? it was yeah. somewhat recent. 97. Uh, that, there is a movie that... Is it, so you're doing the same thing with your face. I'm, I'm like, brain what was going, I doing in 1997 and why haven't I seen this movie? Yeah. Well, you haven't seen it because it barely got released in North America. Uh, I have it because I uh, I had the... No, there was, a, there was a home vision DVD. That was the only release as far as I know. That came out from... Like the Criterion had a brief flirtation with movies they didn't think were Criterion-y enough. So they would release this other version of them on the home vision label. No extras or anything. They brought in Cure because somebody clearly loved it yeah. and they got the rights to it but it went out of print almost immediately it's never been put back into print there was never a Canadian release only North Amer- only American and then just this year it came back out in the UK for the first time on Blu-ray uh, which is what we're watching tonight because right. I lugged my multi-region player over. you certainly did uh, and so I mean I literally know nothing about this. Yeah, this I'm, movie has I'm some kind of a cult. I'm hesitant to even discuss it. Yeah, yeah well, we shouldn't up. too much. Yeah. But it, it, it's got some kind of a cult following, I, I Yeah, hugely, hugely influential film uh, that nobody talks about now for some weird reason. And, and you'll see why I think. It's not that it's dated, but it, it has a kind of a simplicity. They didn't have a lot of money, so they put it all in your head. It's heavily psychological, and, and it's kind of weaponizes a, a certain genre that you wouldn't think is a horror thing into horror. Yeah, and so what made you want to watch this, Marilla? Just because I, I I love horror movies, and it's one I haven't seen, and my family won't watch horror movies with me, so... <laughs> Is it because you scream really loud? No, it's because they're not really into it, and I'm... Or sci-fi, or I have to do these things only with Norm. It's, that sounds creepy. Well, we hardly ever see you. We should, we should do more of them. Then. So he lures you in with terror and horror. 100%. And snacks. <laughs> Always snacks. I'm not a monster. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, it's um... <laughs> that made it worse. <laughs> that actually is how a monster would lure you. Yeah, yeah right. with snacks. Yeah, or, I don't. I mean, this is the it like a witch would have right? a candy house. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think any successful serial killer goes. We have candy and scary movies. No, no, that probably. Doesn't. I would argue the successful serial killer was one we don't know that's about. That's right. So and that's exactly what they did. Their job, mm, and he's very charming. <laughs> well uh, yeah, I'm sure serial killers are very charming. And he's the real candy man. <laughs> Candyman's great. Should put Candyman. <laughs> That's coming out. There you go. But yeah, no. This is uh, this is one of those movies that you you will hmm, you can see its influence in like twenty years of other horror movies. There's cool. a Korean film called The Wailing that is practically a love letter to this film. It uses similar core ideas like root concepts, but what this does is something. Really singular, and in 1997, I don't think anyone see, nobody saw it coming. Yeah, even just for some reason, I don't know why this happens every now and then. 1997 does not feel like 21 years ago, and yet here it is. 997 DVDs had just come in. Yeah, it's like the Google, Toronto Raptors. It was like Goodwill Hunting was 97. Yeah, yeah. 97 was a good year for movies. But, yeah, um, the late 90s. Well, that was like the the culmination of like all the indie stuff. Yeah. Indie, yeah. indie movies made money then. Yes. So, so they made more of them. <laughs> so they made, they made many of them. Uh, all right, well, should we just dive in? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's all go to the lobby to get a 
which just finished. And, and, and Merla's first statement was... I feel dumb. I feel a little bit dumb right now because I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Wait, what? And then kind of annoyed because I'm going to have Japanese nightmares. Uh, yeah, not quite sure. I think I know what happened, but I might need Norm to explain it to me, <laughs> oh, as often happens. I need Norm to explain the lot to me. Not just me then. Yeah, as soon as you did that, I was like, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad. Away! Like, I have to be the guy who explains Well, can it. I say what I think it is? Yeah, please. And then you tell me if I got it right. I'm way more interested in other interpretations. I, think. I think I know, but... I don't, yeah, I don't think what? it's a right or wrong thing. I think it's an interpretation. Oh, but then that's going to fucking annoy me. <laughs> okay. It's it? called art, Marilla. Shut up with your stupid art interpretation. No, I get annoyed at the end of a movie if I'm like, wait, did I get it? Am I smart? <laughs> Am I dumb? I just... Don't watch Mulholland Drive. Oh, I did watch Mulholland Drive, and I think I got really cross. Well, the answer to Mulholland Drive is they had to figure out a new ending when the series didn't get picked up. <laughs> yeah. This is what the result is, uh, which is kind of ingenious in its way. I, and this predates Mulholland Drive by, what, four years? Yeah, a couple of years. Yeah, that was early 2000s. Yeah. So, I okay, my favorite kind of horror is the kind of horror that says there's something wrong with the world, that... Everything is toxic or tainted or wrong, and this is that kind of movie. This is mm. a movie about um, pestilence. Like something has been introduced into these people's lives, and it's a malevolent force that they don't understand. That the movie can't fully show us because it's all ideas. Like it's the idea of uh, how can I put it? This predates Ring and yeah. The Grudge. Right, yep. which are also movies about curses and things propagating from one person to the next. Right. And the thing about Cure that I found so unsettling the first time through is the idea that it's not intentional. That whatever it is is just moving. Um, he shows up. He's there. Everyone he talks to is infected by whatever this thing is. And he himself is a blank. He He's a void. And except well towards the end right there's a little mm. more agency but the more we find out about his backstory the more it seems that he did this to himself for whatever reason like he's the result of whatever happened but don't mm. like so you're saying that he's not targeting people I don't think so no I mean, every time I see it I like, the only flash of awareness is towards the end and even then he doesn't really say anything definitive he just says you know you everyone who comes here understands but he never explains there's, what it is. That there's still understand. a pattern, though, to every time he talks to somebody. Yeah, and he does a thing, and then oh, yeah, another yeah. thing happens. The thing that he does, we see a little more of it every time there's an right. interaction, but I don't think he targets them. I think that's just the next person he interacts with. No, he shows I, up I on understand the beach, that. He just manifests. Ex- okay, I will accept that. However, handsome detective man... Mm-hmm. Which was his actual name not, in the movie. That's his actual name. Sure. He did nothing... He just spoke to lovely waitress lady and then stabby McStab face. Okay, at the very end of the film, yes, but... But he didn't lose his memory. He just... Right. now Now he's the propagator? Well, yeah, because of the cylinder. You got passed on to You him. listen to that and... Fine. And that's, that's terrible because my dad has a... A, oh, an a old phonograph. cylinder. And now I'm freaked out to go home at well, Christmas. Don't listen to it. Just don't listen to it. <sighs> I mean, by definition, anybody who recorded a wax cylinder in the 1890s is a ghost now. So, I mean, when you think about it. Okay. It's all just ghost voices. But but I, I, I love this movie because of that. Because of this weird amorphous menace that drifts through it. Yeah. The sense that, again, you know, like, um, Lynch was doing it already in Lost Highway around the same time. But that sense of, a, of, of an angry room tone where there's just this this noise that's part of the world that doesn't go away and it's, might slowly be driving everyone insane. Yeah. Um, his wife with the with the um, the habit of leaving the dryer on or the wa- I guess it's a washing machine. It's, right? a, spin it's, a, dr- it's a spin it's dryer, a spin dryer. Okay. which uh, I know because I'm very old. Okay. So and it's an upright spin dryer. We had a spin dryer when I was a kid. Okay, fine. Not Aren't all dryers though. spin dryers? Most of them are. I'm confused. Uh, the, top spin, right, it, the top right, though, one. The yeah, no, loader. in England we have, like, the front loaders, but we, we you also used to have a separate spinner mm-hmm. where you would spin the clothes before you hung them on the line. Oh, I if see. If you didn't necessarily have what we call a tumble dryer. Right. Yeah, mm. that's the difference. So the spin mm. dryer, didn't, does it actually not have heat? It just moves? It them? doesn't have heat. It just oh, spins okay. all the water out. They, ha- they have them now in, like, bathrooms that... that 
swimming pools are at for right. like, kids to like dry their swimming suits. Oh. Cool. Which is a, a somewhat new thing they added them to. Like, this is brilliant. Why haven't we always had these? Genius. Yeah, we just took our bathing suits home. Um, can I say a thing? I just put my hand up for the benefit of the listeners because <laughs> um, I'm polite. Uh, I enjoyed the mental health issues that were sort of around the entire movie. Yeah. That was really interesting. Yeah. And I, so I have a question. Right at the beginning, his wife makes a table shake and no one talks about that. Yeah. Again, I feel dumb because I'm like, why was that? Why was that not referred well, to again? I wonder if I'm still not sure. Okay, she is seen to go and visit here and there, but I just wonder if that maybe isn't a flash forward, and she's in the hospital when he's. We're seeing later in the film when he's because I thought the she was doing that. Mm-hmm. I thought she was doing that, and then yeah. he's banging the radiator, and I'm like, ah, oh, now I feel dumb again. But he's not banging the radiator with enough force to make the entire hospital shake. That's. Like that obviously can't be the only thing that's happening. There's mm. something else at work. This is what I mean about like a malevolence. There's just the sense that something terrible is going on already, and they're all just sort of intersecting in the middle of it. The closest thing it reminded me of, and it's not this at all. Mm. And I can't. You'll know the name of the movie, Norm. I can't remember. It's. Uh, it was around this time period, maybe a bit before. It was John Goodman, and it was a serial killer movie where it was like the serial killer drifted from, from host to host. Oh, Fallen. Fallen, with, uh, yeah. Denzel Washington. It was a couple years later. Denzel, it was later. So it was after this. Think, yeah. so, was John, so did they like, nick it? I mean, probably not. It's not script, that similar. The script isn't clever that, enough either. No, no, no. But it had like a device that I loved, which was just like, it was the, the serial killer sung this song. Was, what song was it? Oh, it's it was uh, Time is on My Side. Yeah, Time is yeah. on My Side. Right. Uh, hung this song. And so there's this amazing sequence in the middle. Because what happens is the serial killer basically just drifts from host to host. Right. And so you're never quite sure who the killer is. It's somebody that basically it's like as a person's being elect- electrocuted right. or put to death in, in some kind of a yeah. chair. Serial yeah. killer gets apprehended. They say some kind of hex or curse that makes their soul drift into somebody else. Right. And it does that throughout the rest of the movie. Right. And so you're never quite sure who it is at some point and, unless they sing the song. Right. That's the and there's a great okay. moment when Denzel kind of figures that out. And then he's in the police station and he watches, like, there's this. I, if I watch it now, it's probably cheesy as hell. I remember when, when I was a kid, it was great. No one knows the scene I'm talking about. 1998, when you were a kid, oh my god. But they, it, it's, it's a scene where it's just basically it's a sing along in the police station. Yeah. The time is on my no! side. Because the, the host is drifting from person ah! to person to person to person. Like just to taunt Washington at that point. Oh, and I want to see this it's now. Bri- it's a brilliant scene. It's got its moments, yeah. Yeah, I say that now because I cheese fast. Yeah, it's probably cheesy as hell now. <laughs> but when I was when I was younger, I saw it like that's cool. What a smart, so cool. What a great. That's yeah. amazing. The trailer was very effective. I remember they used the best ideas, the best moments, and they cut it two times yeah. on my side. Mm. Uh, this would have been a year before that, so I just checked. It was ninety eight. Um, Fallen came out, so that was already probably in the works. no way. That but it's not. Really it's it's nothing. Like, I I wouldn't think they nicked anything or anything. Right. But it's just more like it just reminded me of that. The idea of this um, just evil being evil. Although that's a bit more voodoo currency, right? Yeah, there's type. there's like a there's a there's a beef. I would yeah, say that's there to that's make so the obvious. audience not feel dumb. Cool. Yeah. yeah, this one is, I mean, again, it's... What's well, a thing piece? This yeah, is they didn't piece. have a lot of money. They did it all in dialogue. There are a couple of shots of things that are really unsettling and weird, like the, the monkey in the, the shower. The monkey in the shower. Just, and the, re- the reveal of the X in the back wall. Oh, uh, I audibly made, I made noises. I did the point. first time. Yeah. Yeah. Just like big gasps. They're, they're, but that's what the beauty of this is, that it's just those subtle little hits like even that first in the opening, it's it's a pretty you know blasé opening, and then all of a sudden he just cracks at the prostitute in the back of yeah, the head. Yeah, like, yeah, oh. yeah. The oh. guy cut flying out of the window. It's like there's so many moments like that where you're like, yeah. what the fuck? It's just almost happened? it's almost funny. Because, yeah, it is because it's shot without any effect. Yeah, it's yeah. Just well, there's no happening. Score almost in the whole not. Movie, yeah, is there's there? that. Oh, there's, there's the a piano bit. music at the beginning yeah. and the end. And there's and, a, every now and then there's like a, a low rumble. Hum yeah, the thing. sound design is really interesting because it's very it's sparse. A, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're alone with this thing. Like, you're alone with their thoughts, you're alone with their moments, with their interactions. The sound of the lighter always has a little extra kick to yeah. it, when yeah. it when it flares up. That's but that a, that but, was a question for me, was would they actually let somebody that bonkers have a lighter in a lockdown cell? Yeah, I didn't buy that. 
but it's, it's it's a psychiatric ward, right? Like the biggest cliche of all is that, they that all they have are cigarettes because they can't do anything else. Yeah, but they so, don't get to light their own cigarettes. Is mm, my understanding? That's interesting. Well, possibly. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I did fly <laughs> that. Maybe in Japan there's more of an honor system. I don't know. It's true. Different regulations. <laughs> pull out it's just, the honor it's because a, it's Japan. It's a cultural thing that I, I I'm willing to think. Well, probably. You know, I, I just I don't know. Wow. It's 1998. Copy I'm open that. to other cultures. This is what art cinema is. Uh, but the but there's definitely you know the relationships between men and women are very strictly defined yeah um, and the there's a there's an archness that that is preyed upon the because everybody you know uh, the big speech is about how I, I was trained as a detective never to show any emotion right. so I don't even show my wife it's all about repression and it's all about how you can't make anyone do something they don't want to do. Right. We're repeatedly told that, that it's not just hypnosis. It can't just be hypnosis. So maybe we all do want to do Genuinely want to kill people. Yeah. And that shot at the very beginning of the pipe being wrenched out of the system that starts the flood of water and there's this constant water imagery throughout the movie. Again, something is wrong already. Well, he uses different things to hypnotize. Like when he can't... Yeah, when the fire goes out. Yeah, when the fire goes out. But even when he asks the the psych the one doctor, the lady doctor, mm-hmm. I will call her for lack of a better a better <laughs> character name. Uh, Handsome detective and lady doctor. And lady doctor, uh, and he, he asks her if he can smoke. She's like, no. So he's like, well, I got to figure another way to hypnotize. And he uses the water. Right, but is he conscious that. of that, or is he just picking up on whatever's at hand? Well, that's just it. But also, it's like, but he's a bit of a. Like, here's the thing that I was confused about. He starts like digging into her psyche, and it's like these men told you that you couldn't yeah. do anything. Is like that's just he, is he assuming that because of Japanese culture, or does this guy actually have like insight into this specific woman? Well, because he says I'm empty, and I and I, you know, basically I'm All filling my myself up outside. with yeah. with what you guys are doing. So that to me seems more. Menace? Conscious yeah. and menacing, See, but then Han- is handsome detective doing that, or is he just having a chat with a waitress who gets stabby? I think he's the carrier. Like I don't think he's <laughs> he's not patient zero, right? Like patient zero is already dead. Okay. But then and how and did up. patient zero get infected? Like you know an Albert Camus novel where the plague lives in a novel, and if you open it four hundred years ahead in the future, you're going to get the plague coming back. Well, you get the sense that metaphorically, there's the, there's the moment where he's looking into where he'd been and he's like oh he's been missing for six months yeah so you assume that he picked he's had this he's been the carrier for six months right or the, well there's that burn thing that we never had the, the he probably got burned at a junkyard on a big metal disc we never find out what that you think was. that was the psychotic break that started it Norm? Well, again i think he did this to himself i think whether intentionally or unintentionally and probably intentionally because mm. all the books he's read he's the culmination of this thing right he is all of the ideas and that's where it gets Camusian and weird right. and artful and, and is it where did it come from it was always there okay. or he is the sort of sum total of all of this knowledge which is now uh, infectious and toxic and, and reached out at and pointed at people rather but I I think he's a sponge because he doesn't he never says anything someone else doesn't already say. He never... He When he starts talking to someone, when they let him in, he can understand things like the conversation with the nurse. Right. And the conversation with handsome detective man. But he is... <laughs> I don't think it's intentional. I think it's a pattern he falls into, and that's just what happens. I think it's fucking evil. But he does know certain things. Like He knows that he saw... He had that... He knows that handsome detective man had a, a, that flash... Of his wife dead. Right, but is it because he is reading it from him, or did he put it there? That's a pretty specific read. Well, but that's yeah. the point, right? Like, if he can if he can only respond to the things that people give him. If you're with him, he knows who you are, but he doesn't know who you are. He, doesn't, he constantly asks people to tell them more about themselves. He doesn't want to talk about himself. He doesn't have anything, which is the scariest idea of all, right? That he's right. negated his own self, and this is just a husk wandering around. Who agrees with you if you tell him what his name is? But then he's a golem. But then two minutes later, yeah, he is. No, golem has a purpose. Not the not a golem. The golem. The monster. That. <laughs> no, we're doing the Jew thing yeah. right now. Oh, I, oh fair. Although, okay, sorry. I'll just be over be, here. That would. Be, but I like your take yeah, also. That would be a very different movie. <laughs> if you know, like, the Andy Circus. If it was just it. pulling out a ring and he would go away. The that monster. Would be, <laughs> yeah. yeah. My precious. Um. Uh, I'm going to do the rest of the podcast. Yeah. Please going. do. Uh, this is going. It's and am I drifting to Smeagol? 
Um, <laughs> what? I had something and then it's completely gone because I turned it to go. Oh, did it go? Um, no, it's gone. Rubbish. Oops. Rubbish. Um, must have been a lie. Well, no, it's like the thing that I love about movies like this is that they they actively refuse to have the monologue. There's no big explanation. There's almost a monologue and then he gets killed. Uh, because yeah. it doesn't, He just starts it, shooting him. It's great. Yeah, it wouldn't yeah. matter anyway. It, no. There's nothing... Because the one thing we know about this guy is if he keeps talking, people will die and you're going to get it and whatever else is... Yeah, and he's smarter. But then yeah. he inadvertently handsome detective man turns himself into host by killing him. Or by listening to the or cylinder. Or by listening with the, to the yeah, weird know. mesmer programming thing. So I think the difference is that because... Um, uh, Patient Zero hadn't been uh, Mamiya, I think is what his name really I is. I think but we're that's all white who, people who can't remember Japanese names. No, that's actually, what's happening. I don't think he, that is him anymore. Okay. I think he's just a non-anything. I think he is just a shell uh, wandering around trying to fill himself up and, and instead falling into these patterns where he passes along this violence. But I think because, he, it's, it, you know, it's like it's your classic... Um, what is it? Uh, it's a million Phantom of the Opera. It's like this. He was in the right place exactly at the wrong time to be transformed. The culmination of his knowledge was to make him a monster. But so he but, found. He did all the research. He read the books. He found the cylinder, and that's where it all. Okay. If but we so, reach back. So Mesmer. So he's Victor and Frankenstein. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, he is his own monster. He's his oh. own creature. So who the fuck was Mesmer then? Oh, Mesmer was real. Mesmer I know was, Mesmer was real because Tony La Mesmer, but... And Alan Rickman played him in the movie that was terrible. So was Mesmer channeling this shit and then put it in a cylinder and then was like, ha find this future weirdos. Maybe it's a recording of a, ce- of a ceremony where they talk about soul so conjuring and all that. It's, it's Evil Dead, right? The tape is just there mm. by the time our yeah. heroes get there. It doesn't okay. really matter where it came from. Fine. I mean, it matters, but... That yeah. happened a hundred years ago. This is something that's been... And if you want to go for the Lovecraftian angle, it's this ancient evil that's you been waiting You just said Lovecraftian. Be, oh, I do that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we can be friends anymore! He There's can't like, help himself. There's I know, probably... We just don't see it. There's a tentacle in the movie somewhere. Just think There's of it that There's a way. tentacle. It's... Uh, that's just octopus. That's Japanese just cinema food. in 1998, they were making no. that stuff. No. Um, yeah. And that, like, like this is my, like, I love this kind of horror, but I also hate this kind of horror. <laughs> this, like, this, the kind of horror where um, there is no motivation, really. Hmm. Like, The Strangers, stuff like that, where it's just, like, just people that just kill because they're evil, and they're not, there's nothing you can do to stop them. They're not, you can't reason with them. You can't give them, you can't say, I'm sorry, I hurt your daughter, or whatever you did. Like, you didn't do anything to them. You, you, right. you were just in the wrong spot at the wrong time. I don't find that because I do love a serial killer movie. Yeah. I, I would say I love it, but I also hate it because that to me is the most unsettling thing in the world. Oh, yeah. For Someone sure. you can't reason with. Right. And that doesn't care. Yeah. It's just like well, you're. It's Texas you're Chainsaw fucked. Massacre. It's yeah. Halloween. You're just in the way. But you know, but in the Texas Chainsaw movies, at least there's like. Usually it's like the teenagers are having sex primarily <laughs> or they're getting drunk. There's that's, like. There's certain. Yeah, there's certain thing. Friday the 13th. Yeah. Texas there's, Chainsaw, they just drove up onto their property. That's all. Or were they rude or something? They made fun of <laughs> them. <laughs> there they're was like, a reason, Norman. No, but that's. No, but no, they, they do pick do up that. the hitchhiker and he slashes one of them before they're rude to him. It's all like. They're, they oh, okay. stray into their territory. That's what that is. Okay. No, Halloween. Is the one that kind of introduced sex and death, or Black Christmas, probably before that, and then Friday the Thirteenth made it the only reason anything happens. But transgression is always punished in these movies, and here there there isn't one. That's, that's what right. I mean. That's yeah, yeah, when yeah, yeah, yeah. you're just a person walking down the street, and something hits you, and it's like I did nothing to deserve that. Except, yeah. That's the most terrifying for me. But, right. but what if you know the whole point of this is that it is inside everybody, and it wasn't that you didn't. That's fucking terrifying also. Right, that's the worst possibility, that we all have this, and it's just a matter of whether or not you get that push. And this is why my kid plays Fortnite. (laughs) So, you won't grow up to murder people? Maybe. What is Fortnite? (laughs) I guess? Yeah, is this a good... This is my parenting strategy? No, Fortnite's like a a video, like an open source video, not open source, sorry. It's it's like uh, Minecraft or Warcraft or one of those things. Yeah, but it's a game uh, you play live. So it's kind of like if, if all your friends got together to play tag, but inside a video game system. Okay. It's all happening all the time. Parents hate it because usually if it's you know time to go and do something, you tell your kid, hey, pause the game or, or save right, it and turn can't, off. Like... You can't save it because it's like, it's like telling kids to pause the game of tag. Yeah. That's a genius. People will never stop playing it. 
No, but it's like once you it's when like you're when, but when you're killed, then you can like start a whole new round. Oh, I see. Because there's thousands and millions of people playing this all the time because it's like the most popular game right now. Right. There's there's universities. We're on a tangent here, but there's universities giving out scholarships to people who are really good at. This Shut thing. up. It's called esports. It's a new thing. Okay. The world is in shambles. Okay, that said, I am so is it, out of touch. Is it any less stupid than somebody getting a scholarship you know, to throw a bell into a basket? No, it's not any more stupid. It's as stupid. Yeah. The yeah. end. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's all my point. I say, yeah. Well, I mean, you get crowds to show up in stadiums for basketball games at least. Right? People, that's a pe- money generator. Sports ball. Hashtag sports yeah. ball. People watch. There's like a whole industry where people have YouTube channels where they watch other oh, people play video games. Oh, I know. Twitch? Is that it? No, it's just YouTube. You share? No, but it's just people just like my kid watches other people play video games on YouTube. Hundred yeah. percent. They do they I think Cineplex every now and then has like game Ugh. championships where you can go and watch like the best video game player and you just sit in the seat and you watch them play against each wow. other. I feel so out of touch. But it's world. like but they call it's called esports this and it's and it's all over again. And it's no different than watching golf on fucking television. That makes me angrier than not knowing why Handsome Detective Man made the waitress stab <laughs> her boss. Uh, that well, makes we don't me angry. Who she's gonna kill? She's totally killing the boss. She might kill everybody. She went, do this thing. She went and did the little bow thing, and then she's like, I'm gonna kill you. And grab the knife. She's gonna stab a boss. That's Probably. what's gonna happen. The creepiest Perhaps kill so. for me was just when the when um, doctor lady, lady doctor, yeah. sorry, got her name wrong for a second there. God damn it, Jeremy. Uh, when she was peeling the face off the guy. Yeah, that like, was that's intense. A new, that's a new move. Yeah. Whole you, new level. That's the midpoint, just in case we're losing the audience. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, face terror. We have one dummy. We're gonna use it a couple of times, but ah. yeah, we already did the monkey bit. The monkey. I gotta say, the monkey was not as terrifying as I was expecting. Something far more grisly than really? the really. But well, the monkey was unexpected. Also, that- who's feeding those fucking animals? I assume they're just eating each other. They're oh. in little cages. That's who's true. feeding them? Maybe he's coming back. Maybe you're right. This is all part of him just faking amnesia. It's possible, although otherwise think... it's a massive gaping plot hole that I hadn't even considered. Oh, that really bugged the shit out of me. He's definitely gotten like it's, I, I don't want to say he's got an agenda. Like he's going, I, I want to get this person, this person, and that person. Mm. Like I think, do you think he's just kind of traveling, and whatever mm. comes into his path, uh, it, he's he's like Javier Bardem in uh, Oh No Country, No Country, mm. where just like right. you came across my path. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little thing with you, right. and if you can't handle it, you're gonna get cursed by it. What? It's not my fault. I don't want to do this to you. Right. So if you can na- navigate around it, great. But this is the thing I do. Right. He's like, far more conscious of it because he's got goals and things that yeah. he wants to achieve. Well, Where, Kelly McDonald calls him on it right in the movie. Darla Jean says you don't have to do this. Right. And he just well, I kind of do. It's it's just an excuse. He yeah. just wants to kill. People. Right. He's well, but. Or does he have a very specific, fucked up, albeit, code? Like, this well, is the code a, I live yeah. by. It's a Cormac McCarthy book, so yes, he has one. But Yeah, but it's like there's some honor to that, at least. Oh. Well, no, like it's... It, it, within the, within the, the world that McCarthy builds, there are always people with reasons and things, and there's a, an obscenity to those moral judgments that he brings down on his characters all the time. But yeah, no country is... The, the Coens are... I just had this conversation, uh, weirdly enough, with um, with somebody in the... It was either the uh, Adam Naiman in the Fargo episode or it was uh, Jeff Redknapp in the No Country episode where it was brought forward that, no, actually, the Coens added a, a beat where they call him on it, where Darla Jean... Because that... Oh, no, yeah. it was Adam in the Fargo episode because he's, of course, just written a whole book on the Coens called The Coen Brothers. This book really ties the film together, which is really, really good, and I'm plugging it. Um, <laughs> Plug away. But, uh, but yeah, the Coens in the adaptation added a scene where we actually see that confrontation between Chigger and, and Darla Jean. But that's not in the book. No. Uh, oh, in the book, we, know, we don't find out what happened. We, we know she's killed, but we don't find out how. Right. And so they give her the moment to stand up for herself and refuse to play the game and call him on it. And it's them telling McCarthy, essentially, in yeah. the text, that, like, no, you just want this to happen. Yeah. And it will, but you're making it happen. Yeah. And in Cure, there's a, a much more ambivalent perspective like it's a merciless camera; it just watches without interfering, yeah, yeah, yeah. and things just unravel. In the that, world. I, I actually enjoyed that about the cinematography that it was all like establishing shots that it's, didn't really change. It's, oh, yeah, it was a lot all of wonders. wonders, yeah, yeah. 
I, yeah. like eighty percent of the movie is wonder. Yeah, which yeah. creates a very deliberate tone. Yeah, the, yeah, and you start kind of looking at background action. The scene where um, uh, the the older cop just gets up, goes to the coffee machine, and starts fussing with the with the. But they don't change the. Them. There's no the turnaround on no, that on no, that whole scene. They no. just put they the just camera holds, down yeah. and they let people walk around. It's amazing, yeah. and but it's it, incredibly unnerving too because no, yeah. there's no cut to break the tension. No, well, that's just it. and it kind of lulls you into this trance like state. So that way, when something all of a sudden someone like flies out of a window, right? Or all of a sudden, oh, there's an X in the background. It's like oh, yeah. It takes you a second to notice it because everything's so subtle. They never, yeah. Kind of like uh, you know, a string chord tech comes. And goes, yeah, yeah. And or he takes the you. pen or whatever it is that's in his hand, and he, he he like mimes the cutting of the X, and you're like, "What the fuck is happening right now?" Yeah, because it's just all been in this one shot. It's crazy. Yeah, well, it's the intrusion of the of the of the of the inexplicable into a normal. Yeah, because everybody is so boring. Like there, there. Oh, there's paper. There's people writing papers. There's people reading things. There's people standing and walking. And, and uh, the detective does the same entrance into his house over and over again because every time he comes home, he has to turn off the dryer and go put his coat away and then check on his wife and his dinner and all these things. And over and over again, we're just lulled into the rhythm of this ordinary world where something terrible is right underneath or right behind. And yeah. It's not like the camera suddenly shifts to show you a new perspective. There's no one hiding behind the door. It's all right in front of you. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's up to us to notice it before the characters do. I got another question. So, handsome detective, his wife, Bluebeard at the beginning. Mm. And then the second time she's, you see her with her shrink, she doesn't remember that book. And then I'm like, so is the amnesia the thing? Does the amnesia mean she's going to turn into a serial killer? No. More confusion for dumb Rill. Don't know what to tell you. You're not dumb. Felt dumb. It's just, again, it's something that we're not, I don't think we're supposed to understand. Oh, explain everything to me. There's no connection, though. Fine. That's, that's worse. That's destabilizing, right? But that annoys me because from a storytelling perspective, it's a loose thread that it's going to fucking piss me off. But if he's struggling with this situation at home where his his wife is... He's losing his wife to whatever this is. Right. This pre-existing thing. Condition. That, yeah, that has nothing to do with the case that he's chasing. Mm. It it kind of... For me, this time around, I was trying to figure out if, he, if he's exploding at... Uh, uh, Oh, I'm going to do it again. I'm sorry. I'm so tired. Miyama. Miyama, I think. Yeah. Patient yeah. zero. Uh, if he's exploding at him because he can't explode at his wife. Because he's right. addressing her. This, he's addressing him the same way he relates to her. Right. But he is... And maybe that's why he doesn't fall for it. Why he isn't pulled in. Because he has developed his own coping strategies with his wife. Right. And they're not working. Right. So he gets angry instead of lulled. Because mm. he's not supposed to show emotion. Right. Right. And he can't tell his wife how upset he is that... He's losing her. Because she won't remember anyway. Mm. I don't know. That's sad too. Yeah, that's sad I don't know. Too. It's one of those things that makes the the, it, the human aspects of the story that the character is so vulnerable it makes it even worse that all these things are happening. You know, in, in Seven, the horror is that we have a, a perfectly lovely marriage that's shattered by evil plans. That's like, that's the big disintegration at the end. This movie doesn't do that. This movie gives you somebody who's already broken. Right, but Seven... At least follows its own. Not to say this movie doesn't have rules, but Seven, you know, follows oh, it the has rule that it's clearly like, delineated. You know, rules, ca- yeah. you know, Brad Pitt is one of the sins, right? Right. And that's how that—that's the whole point of that ending. Right. He's the seventh sin. Yeah, but that's where you have the villain with the sinister calculating plan that is only in the movies. This is something that's like intruding yeah. into a world that doesn't have a pre-existing aesthetic. Yeah, and that's why it's more horrifying. Right. Because like because because. What, what really, really, what I loved, what I, what I did really, really love about it. Who is the filmmaker? Uh, Kyoshi Kurosawa, who has done, I think, a dozen horror films by now. This was the, this was his real breakout. He made a movie called Pulse in two thousand and one about ghosts on the internet, which sounds really stupid, but is similarly terrifying. I think I've seen inexplicable. that. Maybe you did. I've that one got released, sure. and there was a terrible remake with. Oh, it was one of the Weinstein Company's instant remakes where they snapped something up and just completely destroyed it. Right. Uh, I forget who was in it. I want to say Alexis Bledel, but that's not right. Um, (laughs) That seems highly unlikely. Oh, no. It was Kristen Bell. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In 2006, maybe? It was 12? She was pretty young. It was god-awful bad. 
Um, but uh, he did that. He did. He made a movie called Doppelganger fairly recently. That's kind. Oh no, sorry. Doppelganger was like 2004. Same actor as this. Daguerreotype was more recent. That was the one he shot in France. Was also kind. I of want to watch movie. more of his movies. This has not put me off by he any stretch. He likes Paris. This guy. He. I think he lived there for a bit. Is he related to Akira? Not to my knowledge. Okay. No. Uh, oh, and he made a perfectly normal drama. Uh, with many of the same actors, called uh, Tokyo Sonata, that was a canon. Oh, that I've heard of. Yeah, it's lovely. It's does a, it's so a does he have film. a company he works with? A I, company of actors, like a little stable of people that he, he reuses. Not these days, but yeah, he he did for a while. Is he the Mike nice. Lee of Japan? God no. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, no, and one called Creepy a couple of years ago that's very effective. No, but I do like. I like that the, this is the kind of movie where I feel like it's the kind of movie I'll be thinking about. Yeah, me too. For a long time, and yeah. it's just like, and I do believe that. All the answers are there. All the things are there. But it's like, you're meant to sit with it. You're meant mm. to... It's meant to disturb you. Yeah. It's not the kind of horror where it's like, it's jumping out at you and trying to just plant disturbing imagery. It's the kind of disturbing imagery that's going to... Like, you're going to be dreaming tonight and all of a sudden a little fucking X will be on a wall. Oh. Uh, Sorry. So No, I had the first... And I thought, I have to say... Um, oh, fuck. What's the one? I'm so tired also. Um, where the, it's a shitty movie about witches and then... Where the, witch? Thank you. That fucking person standing in the corner... I was just thinking that. ...still <laughs> freaks me out. And I, and I felt like it in this movie when there's a dark corner and I'm like, I can't deal with corners I, now. Yeah. I was literally, literally just thinking about that before yeah. you said it. Because that was the one I remember when that, when that came out. Yeah. Like for days after, that image... Oh yeah. Fucking haunted. Close your eyes yeah. and it pops in. And yeah. This, this yeah. predates it. This is two years earlier. Huh. He's just dealing with stuff like this was all out there in, in the. Uh, I was thinking about it, watching it this time. It's the, the idea that there is no easy access to the internet, that nobody has a computer other than to file a report, because that's the kind of thing. Now, I, every now and then, I try to figure out how you can remake Cure, how you can resituate it. I know this is usually your question on the show, yeah, but you couldn't do it now unless it's a meme, unless it's something that and it this moves too slowly, like it spreads too slowly. If you did it. In the present day, it would have to be some weird cult that no one has a phone. I don't, like, I don't understand how... Why can't the phone... Why, why do you need, why, I don't understand why technology screws that. Well, either they'd find him faster, or why they'd that? figure oh. out who he is faster. Like, the speed of information is part of it in this, is that there is no... Like, he just doesn't know who he is, and he, he doesn't give anybody any clues. If they go to his apartment in the first five minutes, they find all the books. But how would they find... I mean... It, Fingerprints, CCTV, cameras... Retinal scans. The interconnectivity defeats this mystery. Yeah. I, but, I was trying to figure it out, and I just... I don't see a way to do it. But there are still people who don't have fingerprints on file, and you, it would still take them a yeah, while. Yeah, all you do is you, you just have him he's burned his fingers. Yeah, but if he was a student, and, and, and his picture would be in an ID database somewhere. He would have a photo somewhere. That's, like, that's what I mean. It's all... Everything is too accessible now. For this thing, this mystery... To invade the present day. But even if they knew who he was, that doesn't mean they're going to find him. That doesn't mean... Oh, do you mean they're going to figure out that he was a psychology major? Yeah, exactly. And, okay. All the answers are there. Okay. But right. that's okay to learn that earlier. Then it just I mean, that it just speeds that engine up of the movie. It doesn't necessarily stop the terror of he's out there. Right. And anyone that talks to him... Like, you can't spend more than five minutes with this guy. Right. Yeah. I wonder if you could do something with having the videos of his interrogation be transmissible. You know, if people get it well, that yeah, way. because that's... That's the no. ring, though. Then you're into an old, I guess, whole other genre. I guess. Mm. Or sub-genre. No, I think they... <laughs> you just walk in and you shoot him right away. Yeah, you, <laughs> see him, you see him, you put him down. Which would actually be a really interesting... That's how you do the remake. You start it's, with it. No, you, you don't have... It's, it's closer to Fallen, which is why I brought okay. Fallen up. I think because you have it that he is not the carrier of the entire movie. And okay. so, and that's what okay. transcends right. it. So it's like you think you get him, you think it's over, and then all of a sudden, it's still happening. Well, we killed the carrier. What's happening? How come these other people are killing yeah. people now? And it's a virus movie. Yeah, mm. I like virus movies. Which it all, which it kind of is. Yeah, I mean, to yeah. some extent, right? It just ends that way. But so what you do, you just accelerate that and bring that up faster. So that way, it's a virus plus the hyp- hypnosis yep. angle. So that way, it just leads more to I don't know who did it what's going on and they gotta realize that oh, you can't kill and that's the scarier thing you can't kill the 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 carrier right because yeah. then you become the carrier you just have to isolate unless oh, it's wait. the Thomas Edison 
The right. cylinder, yeah. That's the hidden, kind of, which I love. The uh, 87 monster alien possession movie. No, I haven't seen it. It's sort of the granddaddy of all of them, of uh, Fallen. It's, it's uh, uh, who was the guy? Jim Koof wrote it under an alias, the guy who wrote Stakeout. Okay. Uh, it's, a, it's a really clever, it's like Lethal Weapon with an alien parasite jumping from body to body. Yeah. Whoa. Released the same year. It's really fun. Mm. Um, and then you'd have to have the forgotten for a while. You'd have to have the the hero at the end would would be the come the carrier and would have to kill himself. As a matter of fact, they found out a different thing. Well, in the genius of the hidden is that, uh, and to bring it all back to David Lynch somehow, um, the uh, the alien that is possessing people and jumping from body to body is being pursued by another alien who is in the body of Kamala. Oh. Now you want to see, or you probably have seen it, haven't you? Just, I think I saw it. Yeah. I just remembered. It was on cable a lot in the 90s. Whoa. Uh, Michael Nuri is the human cop who partners with the alien FBI agent to chase the monster. It's it's really good. You'd love Sounds it. Sounds awesome. See, the third act for like my the roommate that's playing my brain right now is this. It's happening! Is that the carrier, the person who's now the carrier, realizes that the carrier... And they're being hunted down by all of their friends, and they realize that they have to try to kill themselves before one of their friends kill them. Oh, to save them. To, to save, them. The save their friends, they have to find a way to kill themselves. Right. But they're also, like, We're way being, being thrown into this hypnosis, and they can't stop. They're like Something takes over them, I think. Yeah, how does yeah. this work in this, in this version, if you're a self-aware carrier? Because that's totally different from where we Oh, you're right, that is off. the thing. But, but do you think he's not self-aware, then? No, I don't think he is. I think I think he's hollowed out in a different way, but it's because of everything he's experienced, not because of what's. I'm not buying that. You know, bubbled up inside of him. I'm not buying that because all the things he says to. Uh, I'm just going to call him sexy detective now. Uh, he's been upgraded. It's so hot. <laughs> um, it is like you know you're special. You you hear me. Mm-hmm. That's not something. So you think he's, he's setting him up to take the next. Yeah. Interesting. That's what interesting is what my dad says when he doesn't like what my mom cooks. I thought it was just kind of like that sponge thing where he is telling him what he thinks of himself. That you must be special to have caught me. And it's flattery that serves to keep him alive. But that makes him self-aware. That still makes him not just something that's passing from the thing. He's not just a husk then. You mean he's chosen to filter back these things? Yeah, well he's aware of something. There's, I mean, I think there's a happy, there's, there's a middle ground there. There's no happy there's, anything in this movie. No, a, a happy middle ground. People have answers carved in their necks. <laughs> Which is, again, a really simple, really disturbing motif. peeled off. Just that one guy. Just that one guy. He must have done something. In like a that. toilet. He told her that because she was a woman, she couldn't be a doctor. Then you he get deserved, your face peeled. He totally yes, deserved, deserved it. everything he got. She yeah. uses her medical skills to peel his face off. That totally is something does. you have to learn. Pretty great. But it's also, yeah, it's the Yeah, look how messy the other murderers were. No, she was she was very neat. She knew what she was doing. Well, but it's what he tells her, right? It's the memory of her first autopsy. Oh, yeah. So she just goes right out and enacts it. Mm Mm-hmm. In a men's toilet. Nice. So there must have been a reason. But again, see, he knew that. He knew that piece of information. I think he fed it. Like, he feeds on people's thoughts. They come to him. They don't, you don't have to talk to him out loud for him to know something about you if you spend enough time with him. Like that's I got that. I got yeah. that he's, he has he's this psychic just, connection thing. Yeah. Okay. He's, because he says he's empty and he's filling himself up with other things. The things that were inside him are outside and now he can take things from inside other people. But then why does he have to get people to talk to him? Can I think that do- just gives him time. Is that the neural link? Maybe. Okay. I like that. Or that's just his way to... Uh, he's just buying time. Maybe. I he's think- like... Tell me random things while I just like tap into it's like it's like a police tracer. Yeah, on the line, Bill. Yeah. Stay that, on the line so we can track so I can tap into your core. That's more unnerving too, right? If he knows that that's all it takes, so he is aware of his process that he and has people to like spend to enough time with people and yeah, and let people do the things they already want to do. Talk about themselves. See, I thought the whole amnesia thing was was some BS that of his way of getting them to trust him because he's clearly harmless mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and then talk about themselves because he just keeps repeating what we were where I'm on a beach what yeah just but, saying well, that's interesting but then I don't know there's, there's that's interesting like means the, no real I disagree no it's it's a perfectly valid interpretation this is thanks film, dad this is film critic defense there's no bad ideas in a brainstorm yeah oh god 
We all know that's not How? True. This is writer's room. How? But no, I mean, if that was the case, how does he just appear on the beach? Like, where does he come from? What was he doing before? He, Killing other fuckers. You know, there's a shot of nothing, and then there's a shot of him. Like, he just... That's what I mean. He just manifests. He... He but just like, drifts into the world. He's like the Joker in Dark Knight. Oh, I suppose. But even that's a line of bullshit, too. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm crazy. I don't know what to do from one minute to the next. But I did have this elaborate plan that involved so- sewing explosives and a cell phone detonator into somebody, sending him to prison, knowing he'd go to this place. But then, and but then, and then <laughs> scene, I, I literally just rewatched this for myself yeah. again and again. Uh, and then I he, love and, and then he literally movie. says, I don't have plans. Those other people have plans. It's like, you had a very elaborate plan. Yeah. so many plans. You had yeah. so many plans. His plan, all, they all lead to chaos. Yeah, his but plans those, always end with something going, I don't know, blow it up. Yeah. <laughs> They're great plans. Yeah. He broke it down in the room. He got to the second act. <laughs> yeah. Third act. And he went, me explosions! Yeah. Uh, third act is chaos. <laughs> okay, sure, fine, fine. Okay. Put a pin in it, we'll come back to it later. Oh, yeah. Always with the explosion. We have to do it on the day. Yeah. <laughs> we'll fix it in post! Yeah, exactly. That's That was the Joker's master plan. Post-production money. Mm. This is the underwear gnomes from South Park. Step one, underwear. <laughs> step two, question mark. Step three, profit. <laughs> step two is profit. Step three is explosion. <laughs> anyway, that's Cure, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. I really, really liked it. I did too. It annoyed me and will stay with me forever. I, you know, it's been a long time and I don't think it's ever, whenever anybody asks me what a really great horror movie is, it's always at the top of my list Mm. and until recently you just couldn't find it. Right. Yeah. Uh, Apparently it is on, we checked uh, just before we watched it and apparently it is on Filmstruck in the States if you have the streaming service, uh, which means there could be a Criterion edition eventually, but I guess they still have the right somehow. Yeah, maybe they do. Be nice if they did. They're waiting. I guess if it just came out, though, on Blu-ray. The UK Blu-ray came out in the summer. Oh, so they could put it out in North America. Yeah, yeah. Uh, There is some crossover between um, Eureka Entertainment, which released the UK disc, and Criterion. They both did Rumblefish, uh, a couple of other ones. But this is the perfect movie to go in knowing nothing. Oh, yeah, yeah, completely. I had no expectations and was like, no idea what was going to happen next. I was trying to figure out... Was there anything I could have said to set it up? Like, mm-hmm. uh, and giving anything away. Like, even telling you not much happens is kind of deflating it. No, not really. I, no. You, I mean, because I was still waiting for something. Mm-hmm. Holding my breath and clenching everything. That's good for a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just not knowing, like, is this a thriller movie? Is this a ghost movie? What's, is it, what is... Yeah. Is there a spirit? Like, not knowing yeah. any of that... I think if you had teed off anything, it just went like, oh, it went, oh, it's in this category. But yeah. being able to watch it clean, I'm like, I don't know what I'm watching yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what's great about it is like, it feels like it's a couple different things, and it's just dancing around and being its own thing, which is, you know, it's rare, and that's why it's like, you know, we were talking about like, you know, you've got your, you know, your Friday the Thirteenth, where it's like, you know, the killers, the, you know, the the innocent people aren't that innocent because they've broken some kind of social social rule, right? You know, so it's like, you know, so many horror movies fall into really clean genres. Right. It's like, where does where, where does this go in Blockbuster? Yeah. You know, yeah. what's the subgenre of horror where this one's like, well, it's kind of this, but it's also kind of that. And it's kind of art house, but yeah. not really. What's yeah. interesting is watching that, having seen The Ring and The Grudge and the terrible remakes and... And then thinking, but this was before all of them. Yeah. That whole J-horror wave was burbling up in the late 90s. Right. I mean, this, The Grudge, well, I think Ring was made before The Grudge, the yeah. Japanese films. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they build on the whole idea of this sort of amorphous horror that just mm. waits for people. Yeah. And in... the in, when you uh, It Follows comes out after this, too. Kind of. Oh, yeah, way, way later. Yeah. Oh, but, way, way later. Uh, but, but it's a similar time. At least there's a transgression, right? Like it's, yes. It's a sexually transmitted demon. It's it's yeah. so beautifully simple. Uh, it's something everybody you does, it, right? No, and the oh. idea of a sexually oh. transmitted demon is pretty great. It's on Netflix. Uh, I'm pretty sure. It's terrific. Come it really on. Is. Check out. It follows. Yeah. Okay. It's the successor, weirdly enough, to Halloween. I think. Really? Yeah, and that sort of deliberate cinematography and things oh, okay. charging at the camera. Yeah. yeah. And the vibe is very similar, mm-hmm. and. and um, uh, the director is really playing with that, like with your knowledge of how 70s and 80s horror movies work. Oh, neat. Yeah. Right. That and The Guest were the two, because uh, Micah Moreau is in both of them, and we did her for the cover. Uh, we put her on the cover of the uh, the TIFF preview issue that year. They were both in Midnight Madness. And one, like they're both 
heavily dependent on John Carpenter in really different ways. Because mm. cool. the guest becomes, a, like, the guest is a Carpenter movie, kind of, that becomes a specific one towards the end. Yeah. Have you seen the guest? No, I haven't. Oh, you'd love it. It's uh, Dan Stevens and, and Micah Monroe, and there's a point 45 minutes in where it basically just says, you know what, we're this movie now. Deal with it. And I was at, in the, I was at home watching it going... please tell me you actually made that noise I did yeah Kate will back me up on this we were watching it together they sent us like a watermark blu-ray because it was the only way we could see it before the interview was happening and when it happened she was just like oh it's that movie and I was like oh it's that movie (laughs) Um, sounds like it's like Christmas yeah that is the difference between film critics who've never really grown up and adult women but uh, (laughs) yeah I, I don't know how we got... Oh, it follows. Yeah, but, but the, the sense of like a, a malevolent cinema yeah. where the movie itself is the horror, mm. that there's a lot of that in, in the J-horror wave that started all this. I think yeah. like this is probably patient zero for that. Yeah. Unless I miss something. In which case, it will probably find me when I sleep. Yeah. Oh, that's a great time to find you. Any, any final thoughts, Marilla? That's a great trombone yeah. solo. I'm scared because I know I'm gonna have a dream with an ex and a, <laughs> and a monkey, and, uh, and then I'll probably wake up and scare the dog. Yeah, that's gonna happen. Do you, do you often wake up and scare the dog? I think just because normally she wakes me up and scares me with the weird snoring, and I yeah, think tonight yeah. probably I'm gonna wake her up and she'll bark. Which and Rufus I, did in the middle of the movie. It was amazing. Yeah, a dog having a kicky dream in the middle of a really <laughs> tense scene—it's great. <laughs> kicky barky dream distracts <laughs> us all. Perfect. Yeah, he's still sleeping. He's like, whatever. The nap was coming from inside the house. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I want to see. Somebody please make... I'm not going to make it. Somebody please make a movie that's a horror movie of what happens inside of a dog's head that terrifies them. That's what I want to see. It's just not getting a cookie. Yeah, that's great. Make a horror version of that. That's what I want to see. It might only be a 30-second long movie, (laughs) but someone please make that for me and Norm. The existential terror of not getting a cookie. Yeah. Coming next year. Who's a good dog? Oh. Is it you? Title's done. That's a great title. <laughs> Who's a good boy? <laughs> Hilarious. All right. Well, thanks for coming over, guys. Oh, welcome. Oh, that was a pleasure. Fun. I'm so glad to uh, introduce this to people. Yeah. Check. We've ruined everything for you, so hopefully yeah. you've seen this before you uh, listen to this. I really wonder, I mean, how many people will have even heard of it before clicking on this? Don't know. I'll put mm. up a, a very, very massive, massive disclaimer. Spoiler. Yeah. I think people know at this point to not listen to these episodes if you've not, if seen, you've the not movie. seen it. Yeah. yeah. And if not, then that's your own damn fault. Yeah. That's yeah. We're you, but... still listening. Go yeah. watch Cure. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves. Thanks for joining us for Cure. Another reminder that if you like the show, please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word about it. You can find me on Twitter at Lon Jeremy and go to Facebook for Black Hole Films. Leave a review there or an Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you listen to us. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby.